0: Today's readings, at least in the way I look at them, all seem to deal with comparison. The Israelites in Babylon don't like the way God is doing things. Jesus says that the Pharisees are making themselves, deluding themselves into thinking they're holy by comparing themselves with other people rather than examining themselves. And our Philippians reading, which, yes, because of a quirk in the lectionary, we heard part of this two weeks ago, but it's fantastic and we can get a lot more out of it, I promise things about how Jesus did not equate himself with God. For most of us, I think comparison is a sin or at least an occasion, a near occasion of sin. When we compare ourselves, it often leads to the sins of gossip, speaking badly of other people, and being judgmental. And those things happen throughout our lives, but I think we have a lot of people who are In that phase of life where this seems to really crop up, being in college, high school, or middle school. So let us ask God for mercy and forgiveness as we battle our sins. One son said he'd do the right thing, but didn't. The other said he wouldn't do the right thing, but did. One talked the talk, the other walked the walk. But as a church, we are not asked to choose. We are a church of both and, not either or. We shouldn't choose either to talk the talk or walk the walk. We should aspire both to talk the talk and to walk the walk. In the line of saints streaming into heaven, tax collectors and prostitutes and Pharisees there at the front of the line will be the ones who both talked the talk and walked the walk. I think the main sin of the Pharisees is that they were convincing themselves that they were holy by comparing themselves to the tax collectors and prostitutes. And I think we all, from time to time, fall into this sin. God doesn't give us a report card on how we're doing, so it's natural for us to wonder how we're faring on our journey of discipleship. The easiest way to get data is to compare ourselves with others. It might be easy, but it's a very, very bad way to evaluate our own discipleship. One of Satan's most powerful tricks is to prey on our personal insecurities. When we use other people as the measuring stick for evaluating our own discipleship, two things inevitably happen. First of all, we distract ourselves from focusing on the personal failings that are actually holding us back on our spiritual journey. (laughs) I may not be perfect, God, but at least I'm not as corrupt as that tax collector. And the second thing is we simultaneously end up focusing on things that make us different but aren't really flaws at all as disciples. I wish I was as good-looking as that prostitute. One time in our lives that we suffer a lot with insecurity is during college. Trust me, I'm an expert. I had 19 semesters of school for getting two engineering degrees, a minor of music, and a master of divinity. So whatever your major is, I've been there. (laughs) Whenever you declare your major, you publicly announce to the world what you want to do with your life, but you actually haven't done it yet. How can you know if you're going to be competent in that career field? No wonder you wonder. No wonder you doubt. Now, I loved my first four years at the University of Rochester, but that fifth and final year when I was taking only graduate classes, I was miserable. My memories of the first four years of beautiful buildings and sunshiny days with beautiful trees changing, but when I think of that fifth year, all I can think of are those nights when I was trudging back to my apartment in the dark and it was raining. Well, somebody from Rochester pointed out yesterday, at least I don't have memories of the snow. Um, yeah, we get snow up north. I know you don't understand that here, but anyway. As I was walking through the rain, I would be railing against God like the Israelites. It's not fair. Most of my classmates were second year PhD students who were only taking one class a semester. I was taking four classes and I had a TA, a fifth one, to keep my stipend. But part through the year, I finally realized that I was just making myself crazy by comparing myself, all I can do is what I can do Now, I wish I could tell you that this insight came from the Holy Spirit, but it actually came from going on job interviews and realizing that those people thought I was competent. Now the seminary it might break your uh, your image down, but the seminary is a breeding ground for comparison and resentment it's filled with a whole bunch of guys realizing that they are not worthy to uphold the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And instead of preaching to an assembly of real people like you every day or every week, they get to preach to their fellow seminarians once or twice a semester. And so we hope it's a short when they preach, but just think, you know, to have three minutes to focus all of your existential anxieties about your worthiness while you're preaching to a bunch of guys who are going to be giving you feedback, and they are wrestling with the desire to prompt themselves up by putting the preacher down. When people of any age confess to me that they're struggling with one of these sins of comparison, be it gossiping, bad-mouthing, or being judgmental, my advice is the same. We don't do this with all people at all times about all things. So what is the energy that causes you to resent this particular personality trait in this particular person in this particular setting? The energy that drives us to compare ourselves with others is an energy that comes from within. So when I realize that I'm judging someone, I take it to prayer. And I say to myself, this is not about the other person. This is about me. What is the personal insecurity that I'm trying to ignore? Do I maybe share a bad trait with that other person, but rather than focusing on my own flaw, I distract myself by focusing on their flaw instead? Does this other person have a good quality that I wish that I had, but rather than focusing on how I can improve myself to be more like them, I find an unrelated flaw in them to focus on instead? Am I scared that I won't fit in with the people I'm hanging out with? So I join in bad-mouthing someone who's not present to create this false intimacy with the people I'm with. Our minds are wired to think differently, but when we're with a bunch of people talking about somebody who's not there, that is not building relationships. That is a false intimacy. We're not getting to know one another. So let us like Jesus Christ humble ourselves before God. Let us stand naked before God, acknowledging our insecurities. Let us ask God to fill the emptiness within us with unconditional love. Then and only then will we change our minds and believe that God loves us as we are.